Welcome to the podcast, Becoming Goddess Again. I'm your host, Yogi Vanessa. I am a clairsentient psychic healer, kundalini yoga teacher, bioenergetic healer, and spiritual life coach. After writing my first book, Living in the Magic of Life, which you can find on my website, yogivanessa.com. This podcast was born out of my observation of the world around me, working with medicine women, shaman, and healers. I will continue to do this interviewing people from around the world so that we can all find our authentic voice. It is now our time to awaken and become conscious. Please comment below or check out my website yogivanessa.com. I feel beyond blessed to be able to welcome Luna Grace, Isbel Love. We had the fortune of meeting at a winter solstice party And these days, as I'm listening to my soul speak to me, most of my meetings are synchronistic, as was this one. She self-proclaims to be a woman of devotion and a soul midwife, a transformational leadership mentor, and she's also the host of her own podcast entitled Radical Remembrance. Today, we will discuss how we remember, despite all of the programs that are put into us in childhood and what we remember from previous lives as you go through your own transformations and awakening to remember your innate power, your innate goddess. This is very relevant right now. Please help me in welcoming Luna to the show. Thank you so much to Luna Grace Isbel Love for being with me today. I am infinitely grateful to you for coming to my house and sharing your wisdom, your experience, and your power with me and all of us today. Thank you. Obviously, Seychelles is your supportive mother (laughs) in this time of healing yourself from a cold. So... I welcome it, and I'm grateful for her and for you. Thank you. Let's get started and tell me and my listeners a little bit about how you have traveled on your road in whichever way you'd like to share and received the information to be the woman who you already are. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I feel like I've answered this question so many times and and in when you were asking the thing that comes up all the time is the thing that I share and I was having this whole relationship with like oh is that ever going to change like that story of and it will there will be other big impactful events in my life um but also feeling like a little not like calling in a new big impactful event but also being a little tired of of the story, but it, it's my story and it's my life and it's a big thing that has gotten me where I am. And um, it's the death of my mom when I was 13. So I'm like becoming a woman. And my mom had been sick for two years with breast and bone cancer. Um, so I'd been aware that her death was impending. And this was something we talked about, but wasn't really emotionally prepared for in any way, nor did my family have the emotional resources or tools to be able to support me in dealing with those things, nor was I raised by a mother who embodied um, that availability for emotions to move through her with ease and, and ownership and responsibility. 
So I didn't do any of those things. And I was really hurting. And I ended up closing off and becoming very calloused, very jaded. I was a badass bitch and like no one was going to mess with me. (laughs) And that really prevented intimacy and closeness and vulnerability and sharing myself. And it required so much energy to like uphold that for a decade. And it was in my mid-20s when I was just full to capacity of suppressing emotions that they started to overflow and come come out and I started to express emotion and kind of become on my healing journey and path and exploring spirituality and having experiences. And then I think I was 26, I miscarried my first child and it invited grief in a way that I really had needed to know how to grieve when I was you know, younger, even before she died, but pre having those tools before that event even happened. And so what I did was I, I really reclaimed grief as my ally and my teacher and a friend on this journey. And I think that that is the biggest and loss in including not grief, just grief, but loss, which precedes grief and allowing that to be welcome, I think is the biggest thing that I've experienced and adopted and welcomed into my life that has helped me to become the woman that I am today is allowing things to be temporary and trusting in that and not trying to control that or decide if that's right or wrong or good or bad or there could be something better or it would be better if someone was still here or that job was never gone or that house didn't burn down or whatever it is and really learning how to for me grief is such a part of supporting the shedding of identity as related to something external So when I lose the job, it's like, well, who am I without that? Am I grieving the thing or am I really grieving my identity of who I thought I was because of this title, because of this thing in my life, because of these hours that I spent doing something? Am I grieving my mom or am I grieving the identity as a daughter and without her, I don't know who I am. So for me, grief has been this beautiful invitation to discovering who I am without identifying myself based on external things and not to say external things are bad I love external things and 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 identifying myself because of those things has given me a lot of opportunities to grieve because they're temporary so do you feel like you were angry yeah I'm I'm very are you still uh not for those reasons (laughs) not for the same (laughs) not for the same reasons and I also like I'm in a relationship with anger and I think in a healthy way okay. where I'm aware of its presence and opportunities for me to to use it as fuel in a healthy way and also deepen in trust and not have that like againstness. But as a child who was raised in a Roman Catholic family who was agnostic and atheist at age 10 and 12 and everyone's like, oh, that's just because your mom, that's just because your mom is like, no, it's actually not. And I would always say that, and they'd be like, you'll change your mind one day, and I'd be like, pretty sure that religion is not my thing. Um, and I'm a very spiritual person with a lot of relationship to the Gnostic teachings, the Christian mysticism, and religion is just not my thing. But at that age, there was this whole framework that I was conditioned to believe that like God is responsible for things. So when my mom died, I was angry 
because I wanted her here. <laughs> um, and I didn't know how to deal with not only the sadness, but the anger. And so I became, I used that anger to like keep people at bay so that they couldn't get close. And also as like a power thing, because I believed that um, having the ability to use that anger to make somebody else feel smaller and inferior was power, because that's also conditioning that I grew up with in this culture to believe that authority is power and superiority is power. And so to position myself in that way, it's taken a lot of undoing and decolonization to be able to um, connect, because I think that's what we all crave. It's like a one of the necessity, bare necessities, food, water, shelter, connection. And I needed that. And in order to have that with others, I needed to learn how to give that to myself. And if I was connect, if I was relating to myself with all these false identities and superiority complexes to keep people away, I couldn't connect with them. And what I really wanted was that on a deep level. And I have so much of that in my life now. So do you think that there are so many layers because <laughs> as you're speaking all I am I'm thinking and feeling about through the layers of life that we travel with just on a daily basis and you said earlier you're, you're you feel you're very very conscious so getting from that little 13 year old girl to who you are today you're not the same person that you were back then there's no way you're not the same size you don't look the same you don't act the same, you've learned different things, yet she is still within you. Mm -hmm. And the memory, as you said, the story is still in you. And as I'm learning more and more, speaking to people and in my own life, because I feel I'm very conscious as well and I'm constantly like checking myself, what am I feeling right now? And then <laughs> walking to the grocery store to drop off my kids, I'm conscious of my feet. I'm trying to get so conscious. But that journey of spirituality, because the Gnostic teachings at the basis of all of it, at the basis of religion, organized religion, the Gnostic mysticism, Kabbalah is also a form of mysticism. Mm -hmm. Rumi studied mysticism. There's mystical well, sides to- Rumi was a mystic too. Right. <laughs> but we could all look at life that way mm -hmm. if our paradigm had been different so our paradigm is shifting, so the doors are opening, and we are feeling this way. I think it's not by mistake no. that we're waking up. So I feel the criteria that you were given at birth, you know, your soul decided to have that oh, yeah. specific criteria. So tell me about your journey into spirituality. So I went to Catholic school, and I went with, like, nuns <laughs> that were... Some were a bit rigid. Did you get hit on the hand with with No, <laughs> it was like a generation before me. Okay. My mom did, for sure. Yeah. Because she, she was like the bad kid. So she would like get locked in the basement with in the dark with like all the statues. <laughs> it was like a real thing. Okay. Um, Maybe that's not so bad if you can she get didn't, it. She didn't care. <laughs> no, she wasn't scared. Anyway, um, I, would, I was always asking questions. I was always be like, wait a minute because they were teaching it as fact without any room for curiosity, the Bible, both the Old and New Testament, both the Torah and, and the Gospels. And there just wasn't room for inquiry or like one's own wisdom to be 
a part of that, especially as a child. And we're just regurgitating information that was really poorly translated. And so when I was a kid, we had Encarta CD-ROM, which was like this encyclopedia CD-ROM, the CD that you put in your big computer and it was this encyclopedia you could type in anything oh cool so I typed in religion and it brought me to Taoism and and Judaism and every single thing and I stayed up and I read all these articles and I found atheism and agnostic and all these these things that were so interesting and I was like wow all these people think that they're right nobody can be right and and as like a 10 year old I knew that there was this agenda of righteousness behind these religions that that made none of them right. Not that the teachings were wrong, but the way of approaching it and and organizing it as a institution with righteousness, that this is like the way. And so I became agnostic and then atheist at a young age. And I was in my late, in my early 20s, I was hanging out with these people and they were like, you gotta stop calling yourself an atheist. You're making the rest of us atheists look bad because you're actually really <laughs> spiritual. And you're, you're just attached to this identity. And I was, I was attached to the identity of an atheist as smarter, a very like Bill Maher approach. And I thought that I had the upper hand because I knew something that everyone else was in this illusion of not knowing. And really what I knew was not what atheism is talking about. And the more I read books about, oh, his name is escaping me, this very famous atheist who's written a bunch of books, who's alcoholic, died young, this author, I can't remember his name. And at the heart of it, under this book I read, he was friends with this preacher and they were on all these councils together and traveled and talked and they became friends and they had totally different belief systems. And this preacher wrote this book about him after death. Christopher something. And what I realized was the same thing as myself, is that underneath was this deep inquiry about life. And I think that's what we're all doing. None of us really have the answers, but when we're open to the curiosity is really what spirituality is about. It's, It's not knowing and being okay with not knowing. And I think even if one proclaims themselves as an atheist and we're just which I really believe for a long time, like we're just organisms, we live, we die, bugs eat us, like, <laughs> and it's over. But at our heart level, I always had this deeper connection and intuitive knowing to the soul, which was so much more than my body and is, my, is who I am, my consciousness versus like my body. And now I'm, I'm constantly relating to them as an intersection of both, as we were talking before, like human and holy my body and my soul, my human nature and my everlasting, my temporary and my everlasting. And so, you know, that feedback from friends in this like intellectual group of people really was humorous and like bringing something to attention that was already existing but I hadn't acknowledged. And in the simple acknowledgement of it, shifted to spirituality so quickly without language. And then, of course, as a young person living in California, exploring spirituality, there's so many things that you get into that I got into in this like new age spectrum that are so jargon filled and just another institutionalized non-institution that has these beliefs of righteousness of of like, you know, I think that 
it's really about being. And when we talk about Rumi, it's like you didn't talk about spirituality. You just were it. You just lived it. You didn't think and talk about these sacred geometry and why and what. And you just you learned how to be in relationship with these things and have them affect the beingness rather than intellectualizing and thinking. And I think when we get caught up in that jargon, it can be really limiting to the experience of. And so I went through that phase myself and I'm really now in this like very curious embodiment of like the mystery. And my journey led me, you know, short after that, shortly after that to female shamanism, which is like using, being in relationship with the womb as an oracular portal, as an oracular gift. What does that mean? So oracular like oracle, like we use like meaning it has guidance and direction and information for us and it's intuitive by nature and the relationship with blood and death and the mystery and indigenous people and the earth so all this blackness darkness of skin of indigenous people black and brown people um the earth the void and the womb void dark place are all these mysterious things that I was realizing were really powerful. And what I had grown up with in the conditioning and the religion and all these things were a competition for that power taken out of misunderstanding and feeling inferior because of not being in relationship with that mystery of the earth, of the indigenous, of the womb. And so white European men, in their own grief of having their own culture and indigeneity taken from them through the expansion of the Roman Empire and the influence of the church, and the lack of grief there perpetuated this taking and rape and loss of culture. And so my womb and this this amazing gift that I have was this like, and the earth that I stand on and my own indigenous ancestors are like this portal to remembering that that's powerful and that the intellect and productivity and this rat race and this technology boom and all these things is is an option that is very available and and becomes enticing based on how it's frameworked in society but really not where my interpretation of power resides and so it's been a big reclamation for me to be initiated into those womb indigenous earth teachings in order to remember myself to remember my power to reclaim it with integrity to not have a sense of righteousness around it being the way and it's just the way that I have learned to deepen and live my life and it's a constant navigation and process in a world that tells me to not feel yeah that was quite a journey that's not very ending which is beautiful, yet brought up so many questions for me. The first, I'm just gonna spit them out because otherwise I feel like I might forget. One is your, your connection to the womb. Is it because you're feminine and can men feel it as well? Second question is, what is your definition of your spirituality now? And third question is, do you feel like you remember Mm. Or do you feel like you remember from reading? Because mm-hmm. all of these Gnostic teachings, I haven't read them. I've read a lot of about religion because I too went on the journey of seeking the truth. Like, come on. Um, but I was very much a disruptor and mm-hmm. going against anybody who had authority. Oh, really? You think you know everything? 
by mm-hmm. like anybody, including my parents. Um, so I went on my journey through religion and I found what I found, but I don't remember it and utilize it to guide me now. So I'm just curious, do you remember past lifetimes of being an indigenous person, a black person, a native Fijian? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Do you remember those lifetimes or are you just basing that based on what you've read? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you remind me of the second question? Um, Does your, what does your religion, I mean spirituality. Okay. I know I I lost one. I know. It's okay. So men... Um, we, there are only, um, just amazing women, this quote that I heard from her, which is, there are only two people in this world, mothers and their children, because everyone came from the mother. Is a child or a mother. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And so I think we all have a connection to that womb space, whatever body or a way we identify whatever sex organs or, you know, identification, knowing that those can be different that your sex organs don't identify your gender. Right. And so, and, and women who are anatomically women because of vaginas don't always have uteruses. Like there's a lot of, which is a womb, like there's a lot of things that are, yeah, it's a center. It's an energetic center. And I think when I can relate to it that way and I bleed, like there's a physical nature to it that is different than somebody else connecting to that energy center for them. And not all women with wombs bleed. Like, there's so many pieces that are are different for each person, but I think for the full spectrum of of sex and gender, that center of energy of creation, known as, like, the hara in other cultures for, for men, is there for all of us to connect with and is a portal that we have either gone through or have brought somebody else through. And so there is this innate universal connection with all human beings and mammals to have gone through this sacred portal, this mysterious place, like beyond me. I couldn't even try to fathom and understand how the heck all of that happens. It's just it's just mind-boggling. It's so, called a miracle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the mystery and just being okay with that. So I think, yes, everyone can connect with that place inside of themselves or, or being from that place and having moved through that portal to be here. And so there is a connection point that we can all access as children who have come through a mother. My own relationship to... I forgot all the questions. So the spirituality, is it your own spirituality? Oh, yeah. oh remembering. Is it, yeah, the Gnostic, are you repeating or are right. you remembering? So for me, remembrance is a word that I use a lot, and it's literally member is the body. Member means body. It's our physical vessel, is our member. And to remember means to integrate and put the pieces back together in the body. I've done a lot of past life... Regression? Regression. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Past life regression work, and I have lots of memories that are not as earthly that I access. Um, So being human-like on other human-like planets, being not in a body, being in different forms, having different roles in a universal sense, um, being being elements, being a tree, being, you know... I remember that. I have been regressed to access memories of that. Do I know that these things happened? Absolutely not. Do I take them with... Do they give me some information on who I am today in this moment? Yes. Is that all 
made up potentially. I don't need to know if it's right or wrong, real or fake or except like it's just. But what do you feel? I feel it's real. Okay, that's all. I for care sure, about. for me and. I also have, yeah, there's memories of these things, but I also have this blood in my body from my own ancestors, from both being indigenous and colonized and being colonizers and that European lineage of, of having my own indigeneity taken. And this is like, you know, 2000 plus years ago, but this is epigenetically transferred. And so my more colonized grief and loss of culture in the indigenous sense of like how we would see the indigenous people of North America is much more recent in my genetic history within six generations than like my the grief and loss but I think that that is scientifically it's proven that it's passed on I don't know how many generations however every culture has this loss colonizing and taking land has been happening by non-white people and white people you know white is a this is a term, this is a construct, but forever. And it's really about competition and power with God and proving our own power in a different way than surrendering to the mystery. But did the indigenous peoples take land? I don't think they did. I'm just saying other cultures. Okay. Yeah, and there's there's competition for land in indigenous culture too. Not not all tribes. Right, of among all. tribes. Yes, yes, yes. It's a different, as a, as a generalization, it's right. different than it is today. Yeah. And like the Persian Empire, like expanded far and wide, like Asian empires have like expanded and taken land. This is, yes. it's just happening today in, a, in the last 2000 years in a much broader sense from a European ancestry. Yes. Line, lineage. So as for me, I've read things, but I also remembered more before I started reading things. So my first teacher into this world of Sophia, Isis, Magdalene, there were no books. Hmm. And I was receiving so much information that was disputing what I learned in churchianity that I was bringing to my teachers and they were going, they were just smiling and chuckling and like kind of giving me this, yeah, what you're receiving is true. And later, much later, I started to pick up books that were giving me information around the Gnostic and Essene traditions. But before that, I had been much more invested in indigenous culture and books and teachers. And so this Gnostic thing came back more as like a reclamation of my own youth and lineage and family being invested in the church. And I was like, okay, but this is what I was raised with. You know, I wasn't raised on the res with certain traditions and and ceremony I was invited into them I learned them that's a path but that's not my culture that I was raised with it's in my blood it's in my bones it's in my ancestry but it's not what I was raised with so how can I reclaim my own experiences and my path was was indoctrinated by what I called churchianity Mm -hmm. And when I understand Christ, the word Christ being the anointed one, it's like, well, we all have that. And then the anointer, who anointed him, being Mary Magdalene, as the anointer, it just wraps, you know, like for someone to be so tarnished in their name and everything to, to be the one who anointed this being, like, come on. Like there's an incongruency there 
that I was being called to reclaim not through information but in my own body by being the embodiment of that whole holy healer Magdalene energy which is more than a person it's an energy and that same with that Sophianic it's it's more than an entity and a being it's the embodiment of these qualities of being that we all have and can cultivate and deepen in and learn from and adopt and you know when I when you asked me to we picked a card at the beginning of this and you said ask a question my question was what qualities that I already have are calling to be embodied more at this time to serve my, like my mission basically not my mission like my mission but like your soul's mission yeah my service um, and and we pulled Ishel, but I didn't pull that. I, pulled yeah. that. <laughs> I pulled Ishel, <laughs> but I know that this is something that is not new. I'm not in the place in my life where I'm learning. Of course, I'm learning, but like adopting. It's like it's in me, and it's being cultivated and remembered and reinvigorated and brought to life to be embodied. It's not coming from this place of feeling lack. And, ha- and gripping and reaching and searching and exploring for answers that are going to fill that lack. It's coming from a place of amplification and, Im- and deepening and greater embodiment of what already is. And I think that that's a different, that's a shift for me in my life. And that's a shift for our whole collective consciousness that is really necessary at this time. And it moves us away from right and wrong and arguing with one another and just being the qualities that we want to see in the world. Yes. Yes and yes. So you obviously feel it very powerfully because you've been doing this for more than five years, eight years, and you've been on this path since before you were 13, probably before you were 10. And just the exploration of your lineage and your history and your genealogy, I think maybe gave you a good foundation. Well, gave me a doorway. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it gave me a doorway to explore because all those experiences that I had through that churchianity portal are in my body. And I want, I'm responsible for what resides in my mind and my body. And so I want to feel the feelings, reframe and own that narrative. And this was my opportunity to do that in a way that resonated with me because I could I have brought to a totally could I have been brought to a totally different path outside of that lineage in which I was brought up with many people do many people who are raised muslim become buddhist and vice and like all over the place with with different religions for me gnosticism is not a religion it's self-realization and it's the mystic tradition and so if whether I wasn't brought to a sufi mystic tradition that I mean those are places where I've studied and learned and grasped and, and love and adore because I love St. Teresa and St. Teresa of Avila was a mystic. She was a Christian nun who the nuns under her were very much in the church. Mm-hmm. St. Teresa was floating on the ceiling having sex with God and it was above any aspects of religion. Like the people of Sufi and Muslim traditions can claim Rumi but he existed above all of these identifications and when you're just one with life and one with God and one with all that is there's no labels there there's no religions there's and and that's a place that I am very interested and curious and excited and without grasping like definitely 
live my life moving towards and have had glimpses and have had moments of that floating on the ceiling, she actually would float, which that has not been my experience, but I'm totally open to that. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, I don't aspire to be a mystic, but everything in, in life moves me towards that place where my only desire is not for money or things or this or that. It's to be one with God. And that's your spirituality? I mean, it's just my life. It's just the opportunity that I have here at this time. It's what I'm using this life and this embodiment for is to learn how to do that in this dense world where God can seem so separate because of the dense veils in this physical world's reality. I think that I've probably accessed that in many times in many different variations, but in this moment in time where I reside now in this body, it seems more challenging through the density of this world. And so, yeah, I don't know if I would call it my spirituality, but it's just what I want to do with my time here. And I also want to be really in the world because I believe that activism and and feeling and all these things that we're talking about that can be put into the spiritual spectrum are actually very politically subversive, actually very embodied here on the earth and society and what's going on in the planet and humanity and to the earth and, and the oppression of many, many beings that are in and out of human form. And I think that, you know, we were talking earlier about anger. It's like, how, I think you're crazy to not, to see, to really be with the reality of what's going on and not be upset or angry about it. But how can we use those feelings and emotions to have a politically subversive effect by feeling our feelings? Just the experience of feeling our feelings is politically subversive. It's changing the paradigm simply by giving ourselves permission to feel. And like, for me, spirituality is like feeling that. It's Spirit seems like non-matter, but spirit is also the, um, the amazing nature of the human body to have senses and to have sensation move through the vessel. To me, that's like one of the most spiritual experiences is to be with this amazing thing of energy and circuitry and, and emotions moving through my body that I can feel in really sometimes intense, profound, ecstatic and painful ways. And I think feeling that is just giving myself permission to be there and be with that is a form of, I don't know, spirituality is a word that I'm not connecting with in this moment that I use often, but for whatever reason is... Way of living. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is what spirituality is. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's the awareness that I am both matter and spirit. Yeah, totally. Yes. So... What do you do and what can the listeners do to experience feeling? Are there rituals that you do to get your body more aligned into feeling those feelings? Mm-hmm. Are there, I mean, it, do you call upon Mary Magdalene? Do you, and then do an experience? Like, what is the maximum thing that someone can do without taking a drug to really go into a powerful, powerful experience that will be etched in their mind more so as something positive than all the other memories and experiences that may be, you know, stuck in those cells from childhood or anything else, any other time. In this moment in time, if you ask me tomorrow or two years from now, it's likely different, but In this moment in time, I think one of the most profound things anyone can do is be with the experience of their body 
feel the feelings moving through their body without story, without reason, really going deep into the experience that is underneath the experience, that is underneath that emotion, that is without digging for it, like looking what else, what else, what else, but just being with the feeling will start to, things will start to reveal themselves as they're felt because they'll be lifted and more will be stored underneath. And I used to have decks and pendulums and rituals and things and do a lot of ceremony and ritual and goddess stuff and I don't have any of that in my life at this time. I mean, I do in ways, like I lead ritual that invokes this, but so much of that ritual is about being in your body and having your own experience rather than creating that experience. Whereas before I held like regular bi-weekly ritual that was invoking a goddess and I was leading a very specific experience. Um, now so much more of what I offer is about people finding their own wisdom through being intimate with their bodies and having embodied and somatic experiences because that's where their wisdom resides. All these goddesses, all their wisdom, you can read about them and you can have information, but they actually are you and live within you. And those qualities of being are things that we can access when we can move through the emotions and beliefs that have prevented us from remembering ourselves in that way. So this card, Ishel, is medicine woman. You are a channel for divine healing power. There are so many things in my life and probably everyone who's listening's life who that have that they've experienced, that we've all experienced, that have that we've attributed meaning and prescribed meaning that says we're not a channel for divine healing power. And we've been told so many things. And that I have feelings and emotions about that, that when I feel those feelings and emotions, they start to lift. And underneath that, I can access my divine healing power because just in the act of giving myself the space to feel, I've already enacted that quality of being. And so it's not that interesting. You know, I really gave away all these things because I wanted to... I wanted my body to be my oracular compass. And yeah, it's like even using a pendulum, it is, it's, it's responding to my body. And I knew that, but it's, for me, it was, I, there was a slight attachment to like ritual and tools and things. And, and there's a time when like, for me, ritual is spontaneous, prayer is spontaneous. There are amazing, beautiful prayers that I can read and have feeling. But when I am like speaking in the moment spontaneously as a real channel of words with being intimate with the divine, and that's where prayer comes from, from my own being, it is the most profound experience. When ritual happens in the moment of being inspired to like light a candle and like that's it and walk away and it's not this ornate embellished thing. And I love all of that too. It's about the power of my intention when I do anything. Walking down the street can be the most insane ritual you've ever performed because of the intention that's behind it. And so for me, it's just constantly coming back to my body having that access point for me. So powerful. You're just reminding me, (laughs) of course. But I feel like you've unloaded a lot. I do. You didn't just get here from nowhere. You didn't just get here from age 13 and being angry. You didn't just get here from not doing the rituals, from not doing the pendulum. So, but you're now able to get there. And that is very balanced. That's what this whole podcast is about. It's about balancing everything from our history with 
being present in the moment mm -hmm. and not remembering any of that stuff and just being that complete open vacuum of what do I have now? What do I have now? Give it to me now and being open to it. But we can't just make that shift, unfortunately. I, I mean, I couldn't mm -hmm. years ago. I wish I could have. I was desperately seeking how. And now I get what you're saying. But that desperation, that feeling of like longing of like, oh, please, something is a feeling that if we actually feel in our bodies that depth of desire to be intimate is the portal. Like that desperation, that like longing to be in union with something holy and remember is that's the portal, is that desire. And I mean, when you read all this mystic poetry, it's like, please, I need to know you more. I need, I'm searching for you everywhere. I'm walking the streets drunk, searching for you, like on love, my drunk, like all of it is, is this the longing deepens and and it doesn't go away it's not like oh and then i found god it's like i i want more and not from this place of lack and grasping but from this place of remembering ourselves as whole that there is more that there is that that love of the divine which is our love of ourselves and love of the energy of life that's moving through everything it's just amazing because it's a never-ending journey and it's just so profound to to use that desire as as a portal of our remembrance and i think that that desperation is such a good feeling it doesn't feel good but it it is it's like aliveness well i had that voracious hunger yes. just of like re like go, you said going to bookstores i'd go to the bookstore in melrose and i'd be like just talk to me i, I could feel I the book speaking to me you know which one I know. What's it called? I know, it closed. Did it? Well, oh. that one did, and then they tried to reopen and it didn't open. It was the best. Oh I know, my I can't gosh, think I had so many yeah. good books there. That spot, actually, that spot was a, portal. Uh, a vortex. Mm -hmm. That Yeah, that hunger to know to know more. And But what I'm worried about is those people who have no hunger. Those people who were like... I think it's in there. It's in there, obviously. They're not... Aware of it. Tapping in, no, they can hear it. It's like they're like ignoring it. It's like they're like, I'll get to you later. I'll get to you later. How can they ignore it? How can, how, if you can't ignore it, how can they? This is part of where my anger and righteousness and like justice, like a big part of my personal archetype in every, you know, whatever it is, astrology, Enneagram, any, it's like justice is a big thing for me and things being fair and just and I get very irritated and agitated and like upset, like uh, flustered when I feel like things are not just and it's a big thing for me. Mm. And are you a Libra? No, oh. I'm a Sag, but just the whole configuration of all of it and this justice piece and so for me it's like I was a not great person. Like when I was a teenager and how I treated people mm -hmm. from my own pain mm -hmm. was not a nice person. Okay, yeah. So I really have to trust in the process and let the, everyone's timeline be theirs. And yeah, do I feel like we need to speed things up and wake up? Yeah. And people that we might think are a certain way might have this amazing kindness that, that lives through them that is expressed in other ways. And they're caught up in this, in this capitalistic conditioning and there's this like immense amount of kindness that moves through in a certain area of their life that eventually I think we all get to the place where 
this feels like shit in my body and this feels good and we have to make a choice and we can go to our deathbeds holding on to this righteousness attaching ourselves to the way of being that we don't want to admit is wrong because of that sense of righteousness and and it's really about in the body for me I was like well that feels like crap and this feels really good my resistance to embodying this feels uncomfortable but the actual qualities of being embodied through me feel really great I have a lot of resistance which makes that uncomfortable but I chose at a certain point in time in my life I really actually didn't choose I felt like I was totally forced to move through those to move through that resistance into gifting myself the opportunity to feel the good things and it you know it is a choice that we can make at any point in time alignment is always one choice away we could all just wake up tomorrow in the next moment and like all choose the good thing and like everything radically changes it's totally possible alignment is really really one choice away all the time no matter how far away we get from it even in me and what i'm sharing here you might have all these ideas about who i am and i can forget all of this and like go on a whole forgetful tangent but it's literally one choice away for me to come back and remember and be compassionate to myself and that compassion is that choice that brings me back into alignment and so if I know that that's how I come back into alignment to not have that compassion for others and their timeline and their journey I'm not you know in integrity with my belief system and what I know in my body works so I have those moments of like deep frustration at the world's affairs and and at the same time like when I look back at who I was at 20 or 19 or 22 whatever I have to have compassion for her and that means I have to have compassion for the people who are embodying those same things today because just because I learned it a few years ahead of them doesn't make me any better well if they're older doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> but no it doesn't but really this is about finding balance so Yes, I completely agree with you. We are all on our own journeys. And and I do fully believe that cancer or the AIDS crisis or any other type of physical pain linked to the body's dis-ease mm-hmm. is a way for people to come into feeling feelings. I do believe that. And yes, they can heal immediately if they just feel it. But people who are not sick and who are maybe one thought away or one experience away from full alignment, how can even we become more balanced? So more of our feet on the ground and our head in the sky. Like I meditate. I'm a yogi. I, that was my path. And everything that is religious seems to be linked mm-hmm. to the early discoveries of the ancient yogis, mm-hmm. which even before Lemuria were yogis. Mm-hmm. They had the complete balance. They found balance. And there are yogis that are still alive today. I just read a book called Beyond Gurus, and this woman was white coming into transcendental meditation, and she was going around with this other man who was very much into mysticism and was interviewing no- yogis. And this yogi said, sit down and put a glass of water in front of these two men and women and said, you cannot film me though. This cannot be shared. And he transformed the water into ice before their eyes. And there are also other yogis who mm-hmm. float and fly. Not everybody uses those powers for good. That's why he didn't want them to be filmed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
we all have the capacity. It's amazing. Yes. You know, I used to be clumsy, and now I'm like, like it's like a movie. Sometimes, like, I can hear something, and I'll just reach out my hand, and I'll catch, like, a thing that was fun. It's amazing. It happens on a daily basis where I'm like, wow, I wish it was, like, wow. being filmed because stuff will fall, and I'll just, like, I can just feel it before it happens, and I can catch it. It's amazing. And I think that we all have this capacity. And... There have been times in my life where I sit and I meditate and I get on my yoga mat every day. And like, there are times in my life when I don't, but my practice is happening all the time. And I think for anyone who's listening, for me, that has been a lot about giving myself permission to slow down and listen, Mm -hmm. whether it's to my body, to my intuition, to deeper wisdom, whatever it is. Just slowing down because the productivity myth of go, 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 is what makes you valuable and lovable and acceptable and important is the thing that's killing us. And if we could just slow down and come back to presence versus overproductivity, I think a lot would shift. And for me, that's like a constant reminder because I'm a doer to come back to that. And so it's, it's the simple things, you know, for me, it's the simple things. And I've done amazing rituals and pujas and hour multi-day things and like the ceremony is happening the real work is happening between the ceremonies when we're integrating all that has come in those spaces and applying it to every moment and every day and every breath so they're great they're great portals for remembrance and then we just live it definitely so can you speak a little bit to your relationship to those three goddesses, yeah. Isis, Mary Magdalene, and Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. Um, my initiation into the womb work brought forward Mary Magdalene a, a lot in as a tantric teacher, for lack of a better way of explaining that, um, through breath and embodiment and dance practices, and then learned a lot about Kemetic yoga, which is the Egyptian technologies, and how they, how those traditions were passed through the Essene line to Anna and Mary and Mary Magdalene. And so, and, and it's really earth technology because, and is it paganism? Paganism is a really crappy word for anything that's not Christian organized religion that Christian Christianity created this word of paganism um, to put anything that was not religious right like pagans didn't call themselves pagans before what did they call themselves earth beings yeah like I don't know I don't know Mm -hmm. that answer but there are so many things that could actually fit into the definition of what paganism is that is not how we think about it as far as... And like Wicca and witchcraft are actually like much newer mm. neo-versions of that. Like Wicca is an organized religion that happened much, yes. much, much later. Yeah. It wasn't like that before the expansion of the Roman Empire. It's earth traditions. It's like following... It's biodynamic. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um Oh yeah, so so a lot of the more movement-based traditions and teachings that I had come across through my first teacher were through the Kemetic Yoga, the Egyptian traditions, and Isis. 
And then what was coming to me naturally was a lot of Mary Magdalene, like without invitation or real relationship that had been there beforehand. And so as I've offered a lot of Mary Magdalene offerings over the years, so many people are like, she comes to me, she comes to me. It's like, that's what she's doing right now. It's, it's preordained this whole thing around 2000 years and how she couldn't be public at that time and was like really the counterpart of equal parts of power and embodiment, two sides of the same coin, for lack of a better word, with Yeshua to hold the frequency of what they were doing and how they were seeding the planet and their whole resurrection and all of that stuff. She's coming to invite the collective. You know, they say the second coming of Christ. It's like, it's happening in the collective people. And it's not just the male aspect of Christ. It's the full spectrum of the anointed, light anointed being and us remembering ourselves as that. Yep, I feel that. And so for me, so much of the, I could talk all the stories, like there's so many stories of Sophia Isis and Mary Magdalene that have come through and I've been taught. And so much of my teachings with teachers have been in oral traditions. And I also have a book list that I like give people who ask for it, but there's again and again and again, the more that I've studied and how I got into it in the first place is that the wisdom comes through the body. And the more I can be with my somatic experience, the more that wisdom is going to come through. And it has less to do with like the names and titles of these beings and more with the qualities embodiment of them. And so on a on a deeper practice, planetary tantra. So we use tantra as a, for me, my definition of tantra is the equal, the equivalent and unconditional experience of both giving and receiving happening simultaneously. So there is no like separation between those two things of giving and receiving. They're both generous and full and simultaneous. And when we can live in that space, and so sometimes we can have that within ourselves or with another being and experience that and it can be sexual, but it can also be with your bank teller. Um, having this experience of, of Tantra, of like the full spectrum of life. And so that is something that I feel the Maha, Devi, Sophia, Gaia, the earth consciousness embodies so powerfully that I can constantly learn from and that all these traditions and goddesses are pulling aspects of her to help us because we're here on this planet. And all the same thing you know when we talked earlier about that dark void and the three pieces that kind of fit into that of indigenous culture which dance in the mystery Mm -hmm. they're they're okay with it they revere and honor the mystery and the unknown Mm. the womb the earth when we can come into relationship like all the teachings of all these goddesses and all these aspects live within these realms and that includes like the fire and anger of kali that is fiercely loving it includes the medicine woman which has the power to heal it includes all of it and so i experience the density of that being the most subtle in its embodiment, even though it's like so dense, like we're living on planet Earth through Sof- the like goddess archetype of Sophia. And then Isis was more embodied and then Magdalene is like a human being that, that became an ascended master that was like able to live that intersection of holy and human on the planet. And that's for me such a more tangible model than this being who didn't necessarily exist in that human form. I have so much more of an access and empathy and connection with the same exact things of Isis and Sophia through Mary Magdalene because of that shared human nature that allow me to feel comfort 
and remembrance in a similar way. So it's the most close to me. And yeah, I'm just tuning into anything else that wants to be shared about that. Yeah, it's interesting because comedic yoga, it's a lot of ritual, but it's also a lot of that self-realization through movement. I've never heard of that. It's just the Egyptian technologies and... I'm going to look it up though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Magdalene Manuscript, Tan Kenyon, talks a little bit about some practices that are tantric and the sex cult of, of Isis and... Um, there's like a few practices in there that are like amazing Mm -hmm. and it's all about connecting with your own magnetic and electric power of your feminine and masculine spectrum within yourself and using that polarity to embody your whole beingness okay this is the last question you just touched upon it when do you feel most feminine and when do you feel that you need to call on the masculine I am pretty masculine because I'm an entrepreneur and and because of who I was as a child and, and how who my mom was, that I feel like my feminine nature is always, I got the masculine, like I'm good. And I can do it in a healthy way that's not oppressive and rigid, but structured and, and stable and, and safe and supportive and holding a container. That balance of discipline and devotion, that marriage of discipline and devotion is, you know, we had talked about balance before we started recording and the thing that came up was that Balance is a moving target. Balance isn't a place that you arrive that's still, that is always in the same place. Balance is here sometimes and then it's there sometimes. It looks like this today, it looks like this tomorrow. Balance is not something that we can access and then stay there and and find in the same ways again and again. Balance is found by having these polarities dance together in new ways to find new balance points, to find new stability points. And yeah, I mean, when you stand still with your eyes closed on one foot, you're not that balanced. But when you're moving and you have both feet and they're wide and you you can move your center of gravity, you can be so much more balanced. And so I I find that it's a moving target. I'm trying to come back to what we were talking about. Oh yeah, most feminine. feminine. So for me, the feminine, that softening, that trusting, that openness, that surrender, that playful is much more challenging for me to embody. And I can access it really quickly when I want to. And when I'm consciously thinking about it and when I consciously recognize that I need it and it's much more challenging for me and it requires that slower pace. And I think that it's the world and the environment that I live in that is always pushing me towards that other spectrum that creates this out of balance nature, not to blame the environment, but the social environment. But the more I can be on the earth and listen to the earth and slow down and connect to the earth, the more I can be in my body and dance, the easier that feminine nature is. It's just about having the masculine structure to make time and force myself to do that. So, well, like you said, you had been ill a little bit. Yeah. And you started working. Yeah. Instead of sleeping. Well, I definitely slept. Okay. But unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. Yeah. Or fortunately. And it doesn't... There's nothing wrong with it. No. It's just balance. Right. Finding that. And, you know, one of the things that I've written about and talked about and I think is really important but I want to share here is that we've tried to... Women have tried to create equality by doing masculine things. Like being on the boys' football team and changing the rules so that girls can be on the football team and working the same amount of hours and showing that we can be physically all these things instead... And not that there's... Great, do those things if you want to do those things. But that's not what equality is. 
That's proving ourselves that we can exist in this spectrum. Okay, we've done that. That's not how you create equality. You create equality by revering and honoring the qualities of the feminine that are intuitive and emotional and soft and, and changing and, and fiercely loving and all of these things that are feminine. We create equality by honoring and embodying and creating space for these, fighting for these things to be equally as revered as the structural, logistical, productive things. And we've been totally cr trying to create the idea of equality from the wrong place of proving ourselves as equal in that way. And that's actually not what equality is. And until we reclaim, it's not about men it's, or the patriarchy, it's about us, the feminine in everyone, embodying that fully and honoring it and celebrating it and allowing it to take up space that's when we'll create equality, when we own it ourselves and stop asking for permission from everybody else. Woo! You just sounded like Marianne Williamson, who's running for president, who I fully support. She said, and many other people have said in the recent history, if you want peace, you don't fight mm -hmm. for peace. You pray for peace. If you want to be anti-war, you be for peace. Mm -hmm but you don't have to fight for it. You just have to relax into it, like pretty much what you were just saying. And I would love to end on that mm -hmm. because that was powerful. And I'm so excited that you were here and that we recorded this and we got you because this was meant to be. And I'm so grateful to you for bringing me on this journey and mm. this experience with you because I went places that I needed to go. Mm. And I hope all the listeners did too. Yeah, I trust whatever comes up is exactly what's needed. Thanks so much for having me here in your home. And I'm so excited for your podcast to just take off. It's so necessary right now. And it's going to be an amazing gift. It is an amazing gift for so many of us. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Wow. I really feel deeply about all these issues of finding balance. And I'm so grateful to Luna. If you'd like to follow Luna on Instagram, her handle is Luna Grace is Bell Love. And for more information on any topic, you can check out the notes to this podcast or pass us a line on Instagram, Luna Grace Isbel Love or Yogi Vanessa333. And as always, please allow your journey to be organic into your balanced nature because that's the only way that it can be sustainable. I will be having one podcast during the month of March due to the fact that I'm going to India on my own soul's journey. I'll be back next month, the month of April, with a new podcast, and I look forward to seeing you then.